research shows 85% of career success actually has to do with emotional intelligence, whereas 15% has to do with IQ. And that isn't to say that IQ isn't important, but IQ for most professional jobs is the entry ticket. All of us have to have a certain level of cognitive intelligence, but the difference between going from good to great is your use of emotional intelligence. We've heard the term emotional intelligence, also known as EQ, especially at work. And with the 25th anniversary of Daniel Goleman's book, there have been a lot of articles floating around about it. But what is EQ? And how can we tap it to help us thrive, both at work and at home? Hi, this is Diana Bernal O'Leary with another episode of Job Talk Weekly. We talk with Serena Santianis, who is not just a career counselor, but also a trainer, facilitator, and coach who does a lot of work with corporate and individual clients in the area of emotional intelligence. Serena also gets us going with some more tips on our blog at jobtalkweekly.com. Let's jump in. We're talking with Serena Santianis, president of Career Journeys. She is a facilitator, a trainer, and a coach. Welcome back to Job Talk Weekly, Serena. Hi, Diana. It's such a pleasure to be back. Well, tell us a little bit about your work first, and then we'll dig into today's topic. I have had a passion for emotional intelligence for the last several years. In fact, I got certified in the EQI 2.0, which is a premier tool that helps you assess your strengths and areas of development in the arena of emotional intelligence. And I've really had the honor and pleasure of working with thousands of leaders and professionals to help them not only identify areas of strength, but also determine where they need to work on, what areas they need to work on in their emotional intelligence. I do that through leadership training, employee training, um, coaching. I've helped companies create their own emotional intelligence programs. So it's it's been a real honor and pleasure to get to help people understand this topic and how to integrate it in their lives personally and professionally. Well, this is terrific timing then because Daniel Goleman put out a 25th anniversary edition of his book, Emotional Intelligence. And I feel like it's been a big topic of conversation for years, but it's also been coming up a lot lately in the year 2020, which we'll talk about. So before we get started and talk about how it shows up in the workplace, tell us what emotional intelligence is or EQ. Some people call it EQ, right? Yes. So emotional intelligence is actually abbreviated as either EQ or sometimes EI, depending on um, the venue that you see it in. So if you ever see the abbreviation EI, it also would be for emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence, um, I think a lot of folks, when they think of emotional intelligence, they think of being nice to someone or um, being kind and having a good interpersonal relationship with someone. And it's actually got so many more um, areas of depth to it than that. And and when you really break down what is the definition of emotional intelligence, it's kind of, I like to suggest that it has two components to it. First, it's recognizing our own emotions, how Mm. and why we feel a particular way, and also being able to manage our emotions, being able to regulate our emotions. And just as a quick example, if you're driving in the car to go somewhere and someone cuts you off, do you A, take a deep breath and calmly go on your way in a safe manner? Or do you B, start 
using all kinds of hand gestures to tell them just how angry you are. <laughs> and, and language. It, yes, and language. And if you went with number B, you actually would not be showing good emotional intelligence. You would which would be the lack of being able to regulate your impulse control, et cetera. So it's as much about recognizing how you feel and how you manage yourself. And then the second component of it is recognizing the emotions of others, understanding why someone may be feeling a particular way, being able to read people's physical cues, um, facial gestures, et cetera, and being able to respond effectively and respectfully. You know, I think about it, my background and training, not only you know, have I had the opportunity to do all this great work in emotional intelligence, but I think what really um, got me ready for that was my, I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor, and we were taught how to do and use emotional intelligence in our counseling degrees. So when I think about being able to recognize the emotions of others and respond effectively, being able to use your empathy, being able to um, have someone, have a conversation with someone and have them feel like you really understand them. That's all part of emotional intelligence as well. So that's what emotional intelligence is in a nutshell. And it sounds like it's so important for managers. I mean, it's important for every employee, but let's talk a little bit about the leaders in an organization and how their use of emotional intelligence, or not, their lack of it, um, shows up in the workplace and some of the pitfalls that that can have. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because emotional intelligence is critical for leadership. And in fact, companies that are comprised of leaders with strong emotional intelligence have less turnover, have higher retention, have a healthier work culture, which is important for organizational settings. And in fact, there's an organization that just studies empathy that talked about how employees even said that having a leader who's empathetic and understands good emotional intelligence is critical to to their retention levels. So it's so important for leaders to have good emotional intelligence, not just to engage their team and have a healthy work culture, um, but you know, you really want your employees to thrive in the workplace. And the more emotionally intelligent you are, the more employees tend to thrive and be really happy to, to work there. So it shows up in everything from a leader um, welcoming feedback and um, controlling disruptive impulses and thinking before they act and having optimism in tough situations. I don't think people realize that actually having a healthy dose of optimism is part of good emotional intelligence. Um, and, and balancing that thinking and feeling brain, which allows you to have good emotional control. You're not Spock, but yeah. you're also not but you're all, because you don't want to be that. But at the same time, you don't want to be so ungrounded that you're just, you know, emoting all the time. You really want to have excellent emotional control. In fact, one of the things I really teach leaders is if there's one thing you can do to be on top of your game with your emotional intelligence, it's for you to be emotionally grounded, which, you know, we'll get into some, um, I'm, I'm sure some tips and strategies for that later. But you know, the calmer they are and more stress-free a leader is, the more they're going to be able to access some of these skills. Well, and I think this is the self-regulation that they talk about. And it's funny because I remember reading a thousand books when I became a parent. And this is some, one of the things that they talk about is control and self-regulating. So it's something that is evident and really helpful in all areas of our life, not just the workplace. Absolutely. 
for people today who are working from home, they are having to lean on their emotional intelligence, not only professionally, but personally. How are you able to manage not having anger outbursts, you know, when you're at home and you're, you know, if you have a child and your child is online learning and constantly interrupting you at work, you know, even being able to stay calm and collect in those moments is part of good emotional intelligence. And when you have so many stressors going on, as you do today during the pandemic, um, we really need to lean on our emotional intelligence uh, to be able to be personally and professionally effective. Well, and you mentioned the word empathy, and I feel like empathy has been a buzzword for the last five years. Um, But it's really true that during the pandemic, we have had to show more empathy than we ever thought we had because we have crowded households, we have dogs, we have children, we have people coming and going, and our lives all became so disruptive. So if you were able to tap into empathy, whether you knew that's what it was and you had the label for it or not, those are the people who are shining. And I think the man I know the managers are expecting that still for the coming year because just because we have a vaccine doesn't mean that we're all rushing out to the office next week. So let's talk about empathy between coworkers or some of this self-regulation, the self-awareness, some of the tools that people, even if they're not in leadership positions, can show during the workplace. So, you know, it's really interesting because one of the areas I tend to teach is how to use empathy to diffuse difficult situations. Um, Again, I think a lot of folks will think that empathy is, um, I think empathy and sympathy get very mixed up. Sympathy is a there, there. I, I hope you feel better. And empathy is really helping someone say, I hear you. That must be really difficult. I and see helping you. To cal- I see you and helping someone to calm down. And I use it actually quite a bit. And, and just as a quick example to get to your question around some strategies for it. Um, but when you think about empathy, if someone's really upset or frustrated at work or even at home, if you have a kid who's frustrated or a partner who's frustrated, um, in order for you to get to like a, a healthy dialogue conversation or coaching moment, mm-hmm. you need to calm them down. And empathy is a wonderful strategy to help calm people down. Empathy is all about, again, if you have an employee who's coming to you and is really frustrated about a situation, even if you don't agree with them, you starting to say, well, I told you you shouldn't go there and be in that mode or, <laughs> or dismissing them yeah. just to say, that sounds really frustrating. Tell me more. That's an empathetic comment. And I really try to tell people this really takes the onus off of leaders when you're using empathy to have to have all the answers because it's only it's it's saying what you see. It's reflecting It's saying that looks like a difficult situation. Tell me more. Or I see you're really upset. I'm not sure what to say, but thank you for confiding in me. How can I help support you? It's actually acknowledging what you see and inviting them to tell you more by someone feeling heard and connected to you, they start to calm down. They feel like, wow, this person really cares. And now you can get to the collaborative coaching moment or whatever, wherever you need to get to. But it is, you know, again, I mentioned I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. All of these tools are what we're taught in counseling. Um, Good active listening skills. That's like the number one thing I teach people around empathy. If you wanna really be empathetic, you don't have to have a ton of fancy strategies. You just have to be really good at active listening. So give someone your eye contact. Have a couple of uh, quick phrases like, uh-huh, I hear, tell me more about that. And make the person really feel like they're on stage and you're 
all your full attention is focused on them. They're being heard. Again, you don't have, the, the key ingredient to empathy is you don't have to agree with what the person is feeling. You're just acknowledging it, tends to calm them down. And then you can move to whatever business thing you need to move to. And I teach that with parents, with their kids, as well as with managers. Well, let's talk a little bit about the job search process, too, because knowing that these skills are in demand, there's got to be a better way of showing it than saying, hi, I have empathy and I have high EQ. So how can candidates um, sort of demonstrate, use some examples to show their emotional intelligence at work during the search process? So I think there's four different ways that you can use your emotional intelligence in your job search. And it's really critical. It's going to be the difference between you and other candidates. And it's going to be what sets you apart. And the four areas are you can do this in your resume. You can do this in your interview answers. You can do this in your interview behavior and in your overall attitude. You know, some of the kinds of things in your resume that you want to start demonstrating are not just all your technical skills. Those are great. But you want to start demonstrating your decision-making ability, your optimism, your interpersonal skills, your empathy, your impulse control. Um, And there are some ways that you can start to create um, examples. For example, you can talk about in your decision-making, even in tense situations and high-pressure moments, you're able to make clear and effective decisions. Or you were, talk about how you were able to bring the appropriate level of optimism to a work situation. Um, talk about how you were able to um, really regulate your reactions in high-stress moments. Start to give examples of that as you're writing your resume. That's, I think, critical and important. And in fact, I'll share a resource um, with your listeners after the fact that gets into some more specifics. There's a great book that is helpful for this particular skill of doing this in your resume. But in terms of in your interview itself, if you've started to create that kind of buzz in your resume, now when it gets to the interview, more and more employers are starting to blend in emotional intelligence questions. Give me an example of a time when you had to make a decision in a tense situation. That's trying to get at your emotional intelligence. Give me an example of a time when you lifted up your team and brought them into a successful result in a difficult situation. That's demonstrating your emotional intelligence. So preparing um, behavioral interview answers that really focus on your emotional intelligence is important. The, The third thing I would add to that is think about how you're behaving in your interview. What is the, what kind of affect do you have when you're in that interview? Are you smiling? Are you able to engage with good eye contact? Are you good at listening? Are you mm-hmm. good at not cut, cutting people off? All of those things are going to speak loudly when you're saying, I, you know, I'm really good at working with people. I have good emotional intelligence. I am good at, you, you can't just say it, you have to showcase it. And so demonstrating it in the interview is important. And of course, in your overall attitude, you know, people pick up attitudes quickly in an interview. And oh, yeah. if you have good emotion, yeah, if you have good emotional intelligence, then, um, and you demonstrate it, you're going to really attract an employer to want to continue to move forward with you in the interview process. 
Well, you hit on something that a theater professor used to say is, show me, don't tell me. You know, these recruiters aren't going to say, tell me about the different levels of emotional intelligence. They're going to ask you certain questions. And whether you know it or not, you're going to be telling them how you have handled those situations based on the facts you give them. So this is another reason to really practice through some tough questions about stating examples of how you did something, not just, oh, I increased sales by, you know, 100%. How did you do that? How did you resolve conflict? All these, how did you do that types of questions? That's where people are really going to see what you can do and how you do it, because that's where I think the success lies. It's not just what you do, it's how you do it. Absolutely. And emotional intelligence is no joke in the world of work. Some of the leading companies are really seeing the importance of it. You know, Google was a front runner in emotional intelligence, setting up programs. There are several companies that have set up emotional intelligence programs, do emotional intelligence training, really recruit for emotional intelligence. So this isn't just a hidden um, gem that you see in books. So very much to your point, Diana, people are aware, recruiters are aware, HR is aware, and they are starting to build EQ subtly into their interviewing process. And it sounds, Serena, like you have even gotten that request from the corporate side and some of the trainings you do. You're, are you definitely seeing an increased demand from these companies to talk about emotional intelligence or to somehow weave it into the programs that you're developing? Absolutely. I would say that emotional intelligence has been of interest. So with the companies that I work with who come in and ask me to either develop a program for them or to do a training for their leaders or to create something around emotional intelligence, I've seen that increase in the last handful of years because companies are seeing that career success, in fact, research shows 85% of career success actually has to do with emotional intelligence, whereas 15% has to do with IQ. And that isn't to say that IQ isn't important, but IQ for most professional jobs is the entry ticket. All of us have to have a certain level of cognitive intelligence, but the difference between going from good to great is your use of emotional intelligence. And so companies are really seeing the value of how this um, impacts bottom line. And so definitely I've seen an increase in it in the last handful of years. And I would say since the pandemic started, it's been definitely one of the number one requested topics has been to develop emotional intelligence. In fact, ironically, you know, another area that I specialize in is communication training. Like, for example, I use the Myers-Briggs. And if any of you um, listening have ever used the Myers-Briggs, which teaches you about effective communication, I teach people how to adapt their style when they're working with others, whether it's an email or in person. And actually, interestingly enough, it really also feeds into emotional intelligence because another important component of emotional intelligence is your ability to read people and to adjust your communication. And that's exactly what communication training is about. So with that being said, I think communication training and EQ are by far two of the most important. I had um, one of my clients um, actually that I worked with this summer asked for about 12 sessions of um, how do you build your stress tolerance during the pandemic and stress tolerance is an, an uh, is one sub skill of emotional intelligence and that is your ability to be able to perform effectively even under high doses of stress that's what stress tolerance is yeah. and um, we we spent all summer I was going around the state 
obviously virtually. I was in a different part of the state every week for about six to eight weeks. And we were teaching folks how to leverage their stress tolerance during the pandemic personally and professionally um, and giving them tips and strategies. So yes, it's it's been very popular again for a while, but it is really increased since the pandemic hit. Well, and you mentioned Myers-Briggs, and you and I are both fans of Myers-Briggs. Yes, e- we are. ENFJ right here. Um, That's right. And Serena, I know you're going to have some resources for our listeners. And so I'll just mention right now that I'm going to put this up on the blog um, to reference back to our conversation, some FAQs and some tips about emotional intelligence. But before we end, give us some guidance, because one of the keys to emotional intelligence is self-awareness. So it's almost like this catch-22, like, how do you catch yourself if you're not even sure if you have self-awareness, which means that you probably don't have self-awareness. I mean, where does somebody start? Yeah, Yeah, that's a really great uh, point, Diana. So if if I was to give you a couple of tips or and and the listeners a couple of tips for um, what you can do to access your emotional intelligence, let me first start by saying, um, and I think this is an important point, all of us are innately born with certain strengths in emotional intelligence and certain areas that we need to develop in emotional intelligence. And just like personality style, everybody's got their strengths and everybody's got their areas of needed development. And it's the same thing with emotional intelligence. I think the question though really becomes, or not even the question, but the important factor that I've been really trying to highlight in my teachings is that when you're under stress, you are not going to be able to access your emotional intelligence very well, even if you feel like you could be listening to this and say, I'm good with emotional intelligence, I'm great at all these things, but you will not be able to access it when you're stressed. Hmm. So the biggest takeaway, if I can give a tip, is if you wanna create that self-awareness and if you want to really access good emotional intelligence, you need to minimize your reactions to stress or having stress reactions. Mm -hmm. And so a component that goes hand in hand with emotional intelligence is actually mindfulness and meditation. Oh yeah. And I know that that is um, a very popular topic and for some it may feel even a little kind of out there, but I have to tell you there is scientific research that suggests that when your brain is calmed down and you can really more fully access your executive functioning, then you can get to that good emotional intelligence that you need to get to. So if there's anything that you can do um, this new year to help you be better at emotional intelligence, I would say even integrating in, you know, once an hour, a lot of times once an hour we'll stand up and stretch. Once an hour, do a quick 30-second breathing exercise. Um, Start your day with a little quick meditation. And I have a great site that I can share with everybody that I often recommend to folks. Um, Make sure that you do some of those things that keep you stable and calm so that that way, as you go through your day, you're able to handle things um, with that emotional control. Because really the most important piece of good EQ is having sort of that stable emotional control, not too heightened and not too Spock-like. The other thing I would say is have a couple of go-to phrases to exit a tough situation gracefully before you do overreact. If you're having a tough moment with the kids, if you're having um, a tough moment at work and you just need that easy button so you can walk away, how about saying something like, you know what, let's take a five minute break and come back later or let's pick that up tomorrow. Um, Let's take some time to think about it before we connect again. 
Or if you're with the kids, you could say, you know what, let's just stop for a moment, take a 15 minute break, and we'll come back to this a little bit later. The, that Even a quick, easy button and having some of your favorite go-to phrases that you use when you feel yourself getting triggered will help you calm down. Because look, we're not perfect. So it's just recognizing when, it start, when you're having some hot feelings or that anger, all those emotions that trigger stress for you. When you feel those coming on, have some phrases that let you exit it gracefully and yeah. then come back when you're ready. Yeah, and do come back to it. That's a great one, actually. My cousin gave me that one when I had kids. When you have a tough one, it's, let me think about that. And I just yeah. used that this morning when, when she, <laughs> she wanted to do some more online shopping. I'm like, okay, let me think about that. Let me come back to you. Let me let me go tape Serena, and I'll be right back. Um, I love it. But the key is you got to come back. Don't leave the kids or your employees hanging. I mean, I think that's part of the accountability, too, to each other is that you can ask for patience. You can ask for a little bit of time. But then do take the initiative to come back and close that conversation. Absolutely. And you know what? I have to say, if I could add to that, Diana, I think what you did with your daughter if I might just say, showcased excellent emotional intelligence. You were able to stop yourself, (laughs) say, let me just take a few moments, and then you could come back to it. A lot of folks think you have to be perfect in emotional intelligence, but it's just even being able to say, okay, I notice myself getting really angry right now, and before I burst out or before I do something that I'm going to wish I hadn't, stopping, pausing, and removing yourself from the situation, that is outstanding emotional intelligence. And then, you know, I'll leave everybody with some additional little meditations that you can do. And there's even, you know, when people get good enough at meditation, there are things that you can even do in in the moment when you're in a difficult meeting situation to help calm yourself down. But if I also could tell you two other things, and I was just telling my son this the other day, you know, another good sign of emotional intelligence in folks is is being able to laugh at yourself, yeah. um, realizing you're not always the smartest person in the room and oh, being yeah. okay with that yeah. and having a sense of humor about yourself. That, interestingly enough, is an excellent um, form of good emotional intelligence. So what I, what I love about emotional intelligence is that um, it's not always – about being on stage, touting that you're the best. Um, It's really kind of the subtle art of being able to laugh at yourself and being able to uh, lift other people up. And when you think about, you know, some of the leaders in the world or whomever is your kind of go-to person for emotional intelligence, they usually have such a sense of grace and presence. And that's what EQ tends to look like. And it's a lot easier to cultivate that and to find it when you do have the opportunity to quiet the mind. And meditation can be so helpful. And I just want to do a plug for different types of meditation because a lot of people think meditation means uh, sitting on the floor, cross-legged with the incense and, and the smooth music. And that is one way to do it. But, you know, it could be a walk with your dog. You know, it could be working out. It could be doing whatever takes you away from the day to day. You know, consider that your meditation, consider that your mental space to get out of the work zone or even the very, very hectic family zone right now. Take some time for you. Therefore, you can then be open to all these opportunities and be open to knowing how you're reacting to someone and witnessing what other people are experiencing at the same time. Diana, that is an excellent point. That's it is not. I, I agree completely. It can be yoga, meditation, incense, but it is it is something as simple as ten second 
deep breath, closing your eyes. It can be a walk with a dog. In the class that I teach, we actually go through like a quick 30-second simple breathing activity. And everybody walks away going, wow, I need to do that more. I don't even think about that. You know, the Calm app, which you can download for free is great. If I don't know if you've seen some of the Calm app commercials, yeah. but just even taking 15 seconds to breathe. Um, I have a Fitbit. It has a breathing app on it where I just click it and it takes me through a 10 second breathing activity. It's not, You don't have to spend hours doing this, but even if you were to go through your day and maybe four or five times a day, um, just take a quick breath, you would be so much more calm and grounded that would allow you to handle the situations the way that you innately know how to do already. Yeah. And use the tools you already have. Use your phone and set up a little task reminder that maybe once an hour um, or maybe even just once a day, if you just start with once a day um, to breathe for a few seconds, that's a good start. Put a post-it note somewhere, good old fashioned post-it note that that can be helpful too. So, well, Serena, this has been so helpful. And I want to remind folks that we're going to put some information that you've prepared for us on resources and where to go on the blog. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. I'll have some goodies for you all to be able to check out so that you can enhance and develop um, and really leverage your own emotional intelligence. So we'll put that information up at our website, jobtalkweekly.com. And Serena can always be found at careerjourneys.net. Thank you, Serena. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Have a good 2021. Yes. Have Here's to good 2021. Thank God. Yes. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for having me. Bye. Thank you for listening to Job Talk Weekly. If you like the podcast, and we hope you do, the best thing you can do is to subscribe and forward it to your friends. We'd love to hear what you think. So please rate and review us or send us a quick email to info at jobtalkweekly.com. See you next time.